and welcome to the Company Watch on the Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Joe. We are recording today's episode on a swelteringly hot afternoon of Monday, the 18th of July. So apologies for any fan noises in the background. Um, we've got some some kind of meaty topics this week, um, looking at the GDP numbers for May and insolvency numbers for, for June. So I think that's what we'll we'll concentrate our um, discussion on uh, this afternoon. Nick, surprise for the GDP numbers. Yes, shock. Um, not necessarily horror, but definitely shock. Um, the market was expecting zero growth, and we got a nice buoyant 0.5% um, increase. Um, uh, and that followed um, a reduction in the uh, in the figures for a recalibration of the figures for April, where the uh, the drop was uh, reduced from 03 to 0.2%. So it's good news all, all round. Um, if, you, if you break it down between the sectors, uh, again, the, the bank was at, um, uh, the, sorry, the ONS was at pains to point out that all three parts of the economy that services production and construction were all positive and that's the first time that's happened since january this year mm-hmm. Very good. so let's have a look at the individual sectors and i may or may not start getting cynical about the methodology as we go through this services were up 0.4 percent of which uh, by far and away the biggest contributor was human health and social work which was up 2.1% because apparently we all rushed off to see our GPs. There was a 15% rise in GP appointments. Wow. And because I'm... of the methodology, that translates into wealth creation. And we have to be fair because, you know, we we do, we we talk about the ups and the downs and the, the, I think yes. the, the lack of the, the vaccine and the track and test and trace program obviously had a dent to GDP. So, you know, it's it's fair that, that it, inclu- oh, it included. Indeed. Um, what is interesting, if you then dig a little deeper into services and you split out the service sectors that are consumer facing, you get a completely different picture. Consumer facing services were down 0.1 percent mm-hmm. in the month. There was a drop in retail, which I suppose reflects the cost of living crisis. Starting yeah. right. And the biggest drop in the consumer facing services uh, part of the market, uh, part of the economy was in hospitality, down 0.2%, which again reflects the fact that people either have or feel they have less money to spend on there. Yeah. So that services, um, production was up 0.9%, and within that, manufacturing was up a fairly startling 1.4%. Mm-hmm. Construction was up 1.5%, and that's the seventh consecutive month of growth for the construction industry. So that's all very, very encouraging. Overall, we are now 1.7% above pre-pandemic levels, February 2020 on that. And, and we've often talked about how dangerous it is to look at one month. If you look at the three-month figures, the three months to May, GDP is up 0.4%. Um, so it is looking like a start of a trend. Now, again, those those that quarterly is kind of monthly figures put together. So we'll get the real kind of like mm-hmm. serious quarterly figure next time. Next time. So there's it, always those kind of caveats around that. But it, it's interesting to say say that the, the the poll of economists. I think I'm looking at Reuters poll. We're expecting zero yeah. percent um, growth. So you know that is a that is certainly an improvement. 
Yes, on, uh, on maybe, they, maybe they weren't among the stampede into the um, into their local GP surgery. Who knows? Um, who knows? And actually, on an annual growth basis, uh, at the end of May, um, we were 3.5% up. That's actually less than in April. So obviously, there's, a, uh, there's an issue with the comparative month that has that has dropped out. Yeah. yeah. There. Okay. So I think, I think, you know, um, very surprising, very encouraging. And I hope it continues because it's, you know, much as people might think otherwise, I do. My, I'm a naturally glass half full person. It just doesn't seem to happen very often when we talk yeah. about the UK economy. But I think it's that consumer side, I guess, that we're that's yeah. worrying. Um, and I guess that's that's the number that we want to be looking for just to see how much that's that's being impacted um over the over the coming months. The other thing I think was, was worth picking up on in the context of um of this is the um interview that Auntie Haldane, um, who as many of you know, was a former chief economist at the Bank of England, went off to the Royal Society of Arts via the Cabinet Office to write a white paper on levelling up, which, you know, who knows where that will go. And I guess that's to be picked up um, when the political situation in the UK um, gets a bit more normalised. Um, and, he, I mean, he didn't say anything, I, I, I think it's fair to say he didn't say anything like earth shattering, um, but really he's saying that the solution to the growth um, conundrum and the solution to the cost of living crisis is on the supply side um, of the economy. And he's looking back to 2008 and looking at how um, the UK economy kind of emerged from the financial crisis. And there, that was really about um, workforce because there's lots of migrant um, labour people were staying in work for longer, more women participating in the workforce. And so that was the kind of engine that was driving economic growth. But the, the the other way that you can drive growth is obviously productivity gain. So, you know, getting more output for the same level of inputs. Um, and that's where we kind of link this to this business investment um, number that we talk about a lot. Um, and he's concerned because he he his analysis is now that we haven't got that that growth engine being powered by by labour because we've had obviously the, with Brexit a fall in the number of uh, of workers and then of course um, people quitting the workforce you know the great resignation or you know the the big quit I'm not sure what we call it these days um, so we we've kind of lost that that side of things um, and so the only way that this will actually drive the only way we will get economic growth is through productivity and investment. And then Nick, you found a really interesting um, stat looking at the business investment um, numbers. And we are now 9.2% um, below pre-COVID levels. Yes. Yep. So we've got you a know? long way to go to catch up and to, dr and to drive that, uh, that productivity yeah. growth. <clears throat> yes, all very interesting. We'll, again, we'll see how that... Uh, See how plays that turns out. Plays out. So let's let's move now on to the insolvency numbers for um for June. And again, I feel like we get mixed, we we think we know what's happening. And <laughs> we thought we we've seen the end of that kind of peak in CVLs, but um that seems to to not not quite be as, no, as straightforward. It rolls on. These are the numbers from the insolvency service on last Friday. Um there were 1,691 company failures in June. That's down 7.2% on. May, but nonetheless, it is 15% up on June 2019, which is the comparative month pre-pandemic. And, and, and it is worth looking at month, you know, comparative months because the numbers do move around quite a lot yeah. from month to month. If you look within those 1,691, the fact remains that the vast majority of all insolvency activity is with CVLs, so directors 
calling it a day, throwing in the towel, any cliche you like. And there were 1,456 of those, and that is 44% up on June 2019 pre-pandemic. 44%. And the reason why the overall figure is not 44%, but only 15, is because we still don't have this supposed surge in creditor enforcement through compulsory winding winding ups. I mean, yes, they're they're rising from a year ago, but of course they would because they weren't allowed a year ago, but they're still more than, sorry, less than half of where they were before the pandemic. And administrations, the numbers here aren't great, but they're still 40% down on pre-pandemic. And CVAs appear to have ground to a halt. There were only eight in the month, which is 77% down on uh, three years ago. And it looks as though all that um, speculation that CVAs are done are over might be right, at least for the meanwhile. Mm. And, And one last stat on insolvencies and you know where we're heading and you know where's the tsunami of failures and my theory that it's already here if we now have six months of 2022 and if you take with the figures i've been analyzing are for england and wales Mm -hmm. if you then add in scotland northern ireland we've had 11,301 failures so far this year which equates to 22,600 and something for the year, which is right up there with the highest level we've ever been at. And we're 20% up on the first half of 2019. So we are well ahead of where where we were pre-pandemic. And let's remember that that we still had some restrictions on insolvency activity up until the 25th of March this year anyway. I mean, how that that whole kind of landlord um, negotiation process works out, I think it's still a little bit too early to say. I don't think we've only seen much data on what's 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 happening there but but remember that 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 half one figure still includes almost three months where Off, there were yeah. still some some restrictions but with gloves were still partly on yes they were indeed they were. indeed so i think i think that's i think that's very interesting my buddies in the insolvency world tell me that he's definitely getting busier um and that they are converting more inquiries into actual assignments not necessarily formal insolvencies, but restructurings and, and, mm-hmm. and refinancings and things like that. But there is definitely more activity um, uh, going on. What is what is also interesting is there is some talk about a restriction in the capacity of the lending market f- to support business, smaller businesses in particular. Don't have any hard figures on it. Um, think I will have some when we're talking two or three weeks' time. Right. It'll be interesting but, to come back to, yes, um, to that point. There's a lot of lot of discussion about um failures in the in the finance market and problems in the in the financing market, the lending oh, market. So obviously at the smaller end, otherwise it would have been all over the press. Yeah. 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 So and that, I mean that links quite nicely actually, I think, onto the City AM report that you um that you saw, you know, in regards to the need for there to be perhaps more restructuring work. Because there's a survey on company turnover um yes, that you picked up. The, yes, this was the uh, this was ONS again. Um and they came up with some sl- slightly startling numbers that of 
all the companies, they, they do regular surveys. This is not all the companies in the, in the country, but it's been extrapolated, you know, classic market research. Um, 24% of all British companies, they say, saw their turnover fall in June by comparison with May. That's and this is turnover, isn't it? That's quarter, and that's that's top level. That we're not, we haven't even factored in, you know, margin increases, supply so chain problems. It's just purely like top line. Yeah, mm. um, and and uh, I mean, that's the be all and end all of it. That's what the survey said. Mm. And there was no real comment about it, but City AM picked it up and turned it into a fairly small article. But it, it, it's a startling number, yeah. which um, which and again. Bear in mind that uh, we don't have the figure for by how much turnover has dropped, but you almost expect turnover to be rising because of inflation. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. if it's falling, then it's probably falling by rather more than than people think, or at least in real terms. So, so yeah. that's turnover of companies. Um, two other things caught my eye. One is the implications on the supply chain problems of the collapse in China's GDP because of their entirely futile um, zero COVID policy. They'll probably, they'll probably come and get me for that, won't they? <laughs> they'll, they'll have picked me up saying this somewhere on the, somewhere in the um, in cyberspace. Um, GDP in the second quarter of 2022 in China was 0.4%. That compares to 4.8% in Q1. That's a great. I mean, you know, with I have to put a caveat around this. You know, I've spent quite a lot of time in Hong Kong and China and in Asia generally, and absolutely nobody believes any numbers that comes out of, that come out of China by way of the economy. But it's a comparative, isn't it? Is looking it at is. you know. It is. I mean, the the figures may be wrong, but they're but but you can compare you know the scale of the wrongness. Yeah. Yeah, that is shocking, okay. isn't it? And that is just going to lead to more supply chain. You know, we, yeah. we're going to have that kind of completely filtering through to um, to the other economies in, in terms of the um, the supply bottlenecks. And you know, and we've talked, I think, in the past about the the, the kind of change from kind of offshoring to nearshoring. But again, that comes with cost. You know, the reason that that, that China has been such a kind of popular place for um, for for offshoring and for the you know the supply components. Is because of the huge cost savings that are generated. So, you know, it, it will take not only time but also money to um, to, to have alternatives. Yes, and the and the the uh, the other one that I, I couldn't take my eyes off because it, it just produced wonderful image, images in my mind, and you'll see why in a minute. Um, this comes under the heading of you know when there are problems around for for businesses, it never rains but it pours, or in this case, it doesn't pour because the water level in the Rhine has now dropped to the point where it's impacting the delivery of vital industrial chemicals to the UK. Because at one of the pinch points quite a long way down the Rhine, the water level is now below a metre. So chemical manufacturers upstream are busy trying to hire as many flat-bottomed bulk carriers as they can possibly lay their hands on, but they'll have to be very flat-bottomed. To get yeah. through there, and of course, you, as you know, as as we all know, with the weather conditions at the moment, that isn't going to get any better. No, I mean, even though it's hot, even even though the temperatures might start falling, I think the, the the forecast for rain um, in any significant amounts is not really it's, um, it's not really there. 
Yeah, so that would be interesting. And again, you know, potentially going to road transport and, you know, you pointed out, well, actually, then that will have to go through um, through Dover and the bottleneck. So, um, joy. yeah, well, that'll, that's certainly something to, something to keep watch on. Nick, thank you so much, as always, for a really interesting roundup of um, of what's been going on in the world. It's a, it's a pleasure. We actually had something positive to say. Yes, it's nice. Let's, um, we shall certainly be keeping our eyes, eyes peeled for um, some more of these positive news. Um, until next time, thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.